NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota racing team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like sixth grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. NASCAR Grassroots Racing is full throttle every week on Flow Racing, where you can stream over 1,300 events live and on demand and access exclusive coverage. Subscribe to Flow today to see NASCAR legends, past, present, and future, go head-to-head with hometown heroes at tracks like Bowman Gray, Meridian, South Boston, and more. Find your next favorite driver by going to flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. That's flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. The black Ford with Todd Gilliland at the wheel comes off the corner. He sees the white flag. One lap to go in Knoxville. Here they come for the final time to turn number two. Todd Gilliland has got five truck lengths over John Hunter Nemechek. His black Ford hits the back straightaway. Now into turn number three. He'll kick it sideways, kick up a little bit of black Iowa dirt, and lead the field off the corner. Just some of that dust in front of him. It's all he'll see as he works his way up off the corner. Todd Gilliland comes into the truck series tonight at Knoxville Raceway and comes away with the victory in the Clean Harbors 150. The Cup Series is hard, man. Uh, we race every single weekend, and um, you know it's. Just, I haven't been doing good, so um, you know to come out here, this is just such a big relief. Um, you know, it's. I hadn't even. I've won two truck races until now, and um, I mean to win at Knoxville. I was thinking about that before the last restart. I was like, we're under the lights at Knoxville. Like this is such an amazing thing just to be doing this, and and to win here, man. I. Uh, I'm so excited. This is so amazing to win for my dad. It's uh, I know how hard he works and how hard I work. So to come together and be able to do this is amazing. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we are bracing ourselves for a 20 straight weekend run into championship weekend in Phoenix at the beginning of November. And that quest will begin this weekend at the Nashville Super Speedway. The MRN crew poised in position and ready to get things underway there in the voluntary state. And because of that, We'll have a fast forum on the show. We're going to preview the storylines as we begin to push for the playoffs this weekend with the Ally 400. No doubt one of the storylines so far this year has been Trackhouse Racing. They've been the surprise organization of 2022. Our Kurt Becker is going to do a deep dive and take a look at the rise of that second-year team. 
Also, Daniel Suarez was the fourth first-time winner of 2022. Daniel obviously driving for Trackhouse Racing. Are we on track for the most ever? We'll examine that further. Plus, we'll have a full preview of the Ally 400 coming up this weekend at Nashville and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Ricky is here to get us started with the latest in headlines in NASCAR Nation. Kyle, what do you have for us this week? There will be a change of personnel atop the pit box for the reigning champion as we head to Music City this weekend. Kevin Menderin will be the crew chief for the next four weeks for the five team of Kyle Larson. The team's normal crew chief, Cliff Daniels, was suspended after a wheel came loose from their car shortly after the team's final pit stop in Sonoma two weeks ago. Many fans will remember Kevin Menderin as the crew chief for Jimmy Johnson during the 2019 Cup Series season, where he recorded three top fives in 21 races with the seven-time champ. The stars will be out in full force this weekend as many musical guests embark on Nashville Super Speedway. The Grand Marshal for Sunday's NASCAR Cup Series event will be Nashville recording artist Kane Brown. The pre-race concert will be held by Grammy Award-winning country music duo Brothers Osborne. And all three of NASCAR's National Series will be on track this weekend. The NASCAR Camping World Truck Series will race on Friday night. Young Guns of the NASCAR Xfinity Series will race on Saturday, and the stars of the NASCAR Cup Series will take to the track on Sunday. You can catch all three series this weekend exclusively right here on the Motor Racing Network. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up next, Steve Post, Dave Moody, and Jason Toy join me for a NASCAR Live Fast Forum. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. Just like a driver is better off with a pit crew, we're all better off with an Ally. Save smarter, faster than ever with smart tools in an Ally online savings account. Explore all the ways you can grow with us at Ally.com. Ally. Do it right. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're back on NASCAR Live. So glad you're with us here on this week's renewal of this show and joining us for a NASCAR Live Fast Forum you hear him in the turns, Dave Moody. You hear both these gentlemen in the pit lane and in the garage areas, Steve Post and Jason Toy. They're all here for a NASCAR Live Fast Forum as we go through the storylines of what's already happened, what we anticipate to happen for this 20-race run all the way to championship weekend at Phoenix. Let's first start with Dave. Dave, in all that we've accomplished so far, in your opinion, what's the number one storyline of the season? Number one storyline overall is probably the the effectiveness and the competitiveness of the new race car, of the new next-gen race car. It really has, I think, exceeded just about everybody's expectations, um, and the competition's been good from start to finish. I think second to that, and, and, and a very close second, would be the ascension of track house racing to the to the ranks of consistent front runners, race winners, and it's beginning to look like serious championship contenders with both of the cars in that two-car team. Postman, what about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I'm with Dave, I'm, especially with the track house racing element of that. Um, I, I think we, 
I think we always talk about teams jumping up. We have teams that start off good in Daytona. How many times do we talk about someone who goes to Daytona, maybe goes to the second race and has a good run? And we're like, is this their year? Is this their year? Well, Trackhouse isn't going away. As a matter of fact, they're staying strong with Ross Chastain, and they picked up their first win with Daniel Suarez. And I think tying into that are the first-time winners. When you look at Austin Sindrick, when you look at Chase Briscoe getting a win, when you look at the two Trackhouse guys, Ross Chastain now having two wins at Daniel Suarez, I think whether it's new car related, Trackhouse is a big part of that story. It all kinds of tie together, and uh, it's 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 been really really neat to see. All of the, the new winners, new teams, new faces, new car, everything has been really, really good. Jason, what are your thoughts on the storylines so far that have broke loose in 22? Taking a little bit from both uh, Steve and Dave, I think uh, obviously the next-gen car has been uh, the big storyline, but I also like the fact how it's evening out and like leaving it out the playing field for a lot of these teams. So you don't really have one team that is dominant throughout this season, but you also have teams that are coming into it like Trackhouse, which I think sets up a great – uh, pathway for other teams in the future to kind of go along with the business model and what it takes to be able to get towards the front like Trackhouse has done this year. So I've been very impressed with that. On the other side of that are some of the teams that are struggling with it, the Stuart Haas's uh, the teams and, you know, not uh, not really seeing them up the forefront. You know, we talk about Kevin Harvick every year as a championship contender. He's had the season that he kind of would like to forget about right now. But they're trying to get on track with it. So I like the fact that this way everything is kind of evened out a little bit here on the playing field. We're going to have more on Trackhouse coming up with Kurt Becker. We're going to do a, a deeper dive into their successes and their culture, and maybe we'll hit them in just a moment. But Jason brings something up that I think is very interesting. You have drivers that have done well, that have won races. You have organizations that have done a little bit okay, but have had moments of challenge. And Posty, I'll bring you into the conversation. Stuart House, uh, Stuart House Racing, one of them. Obviously, Chase Briscoe won earlier this year at Phoenix, but that's it. Kevin Harvick is seven points out. Almarola is seven points in. And Cole Custer bringing up the rear 27th in points. So how do you digest this in, is it the new car growing pains? Is it a manufacturer overall, Ford, struggling to get on their footing? Is it an organizational thing? How do you go and find out the whys? Because I know that that's they would love to know why things are happening the way they are so they can make the fix to make attempts to get back in the top five, the top ten, and back in victory lane. Yeah, I think it first and foremost seems to start with manufacturer. I mean, I think when you look at Stuart Haas Racing, they're the Ford Camp, uh, Team Penske. Yeah, Austin Cedric won the Daytona 500, and Joey Logano has two wins. But I, I haven't seen the raw speed out of Team Penske as well. Um, and, and Brad Keselowski over there, Ross Fenway Keselowski, I think there's growing pains there. And I, I, I expect a better second half than the first half of the season. So I think it starts to a degree with manufacturer. Um, but uh, but in, in, in we tie into the new race car. But we had the same conversation about Kevin Harvick last year. And that was the old race car. Um, last year, Eric Almarola was the only winner at Stuart Haas Racing. This year, it's Chase Briscoe. So I think there's a manufacturer challenge. I think Ford right now has some work to do, but I'm really not sure what's going on at Stuart Haas Racing either. Um, they just, they just, and this goes back to last year, 
uh, we, we, we live in a world of perpetual um, optimism from that team. Yes, they're coming in the right direction. Yes, they're moving forward. Yes, they're doing this, but uh, we haven't seen the results yet. And uh, this is two years in a row. I think we've been in that scenario with Stuart Haas. And Dave, we talk about Toyota. You know, there was a period in the in the opening salvo of the season. Everybody's like, what's going on with Toyota? Why, where are the Toyotas? Well, they've got three wins right now. They've been so far, far spaced out that it appears that they're in trouble. But I maintain that I don't think Toyota is as deep in the hole as everyone thinks they are. Do you agree with that assessment? It's been a schizophrenic season for Toyota, for sure. Um, and, and it's been feast or famine. Denny Hamlin is securely in the playoffs with two wins. But if you take those two weekends out of the equation, he's had a miserable, miserable year and would not quite honestly be anywhere near playoff contention right now. So for for Toyota, they've had just some horrible weekends where they've had nobody in the top 15 and they've had some uh, weekends where they put three in the top five and they're just not uh, seeing the consistency right now that I think they need to see. I had a conversation with our friend David Wilson, the, the boss at TRD. And he's not at all happy with it. He said, yeah, we can we can cherry pick wins here and wins there if we want to. But we are not the weekly consistent contenders for race wins and for championships that we expect to be. So from the Toyota point of view, they'll certainly take what they've managed to harvest so far. But it's not been the bumper crop that we expect them to see. And the three of you know, like I know, we've been around this enough. When you've got a guy like David Wilson say that, you know what, we're not where we need to be, Jason. That's where an organization, a team, or a driver, whoever, is out of that comfort zone. When you have the expectation to win and you expect yourself to win and you're not, that is not a comfortable feeling for these uh, for, for all parties involved at all. You know, if this was a football team, David Wilson is the head coach. you got the individual teams as coordinators. You bring them all together and try to figure out, and I'm sure they have been, trying to figure out what they need to do to improve week in and week out, have consistently consistency. Obviously, you want to get some wins, but like what Dave was talking about, you've had a, several races where you didn't have anybody in the top 15. you got to get consistently running week in and week out. So you know that they're crashing their, their minds together, trying to figure out what they need to do. TRD's got the great engineers to be able to try to, to run every simulation they can think of to try to get it right. And then also the other side of that, too, is just racing luck for a lot of things as well. So, you know, uh, it's uh, I think it's bring it all together, get the team back together and start looking towards the back end of the season. Look at it as a whole new start here as you work your way past the halfway, obviously. And that next opportunity will come this weekend in the Ally 400 at Nashville Super Speedway. More of the NASCAR Live Fast Forum coming up. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. At Ally, our vision is to be a relentless ally for your financial well-being. We're committed to doing right by our customers and finding new ways to deliver opportunity, no matter how you define it. Explore all the ways you can grow with us at Ally.com. Ally. Do it right. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. 
We are back on NASCAR Live, and our NASCAR Live Fast Forum continues with Dave Moody, Steve Post, and Jason Toy. We mentioned the Cup Series back at it this weekend. Well, we'll kick off a 20-race stretch, 10 races to the playoffs, and then 10 races after that. Posty, you've been in the trenches for those men and women in the garage. I know that they've needed some off time. They got a weekend off. But do you think that that's enough to prepare them for the next 20 weeks that they're going to encounter, which involves a playoff and a championship run? Yeah, I think it is at this point in the season. They've been through the worst of it, I think. When you look at this, this goes back to this goes back to when we left Phoenix in November with off-season testing was the most aggressive off-season testing we've had. Uh, Kevin Harvick talked about how he didn't did not think the Easter or the spring off weekend was that big of a deal historically, and he thought this year not having it was a huge deal. So when you look at these teams. Let's say they've been going from Phoenix all the way to last weekend. Yeah, they got a great break, a great weekend off. And this is the 20 race stretch. Now, yeah, it's a long, grueling stretch, but you've got to figure there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of adrenaline because it's ultimately going to culminate at championship weekend out of Phoenix. And, you know, as teams maybe fall out of the playoffs, maybe there'll be a little bit of a decline. But those teams that are going to be running for the playoffs, they've got 20 stretch, uh, 20 races. But as you know, that momentum, that energy, once we get into the playoffs, that'll lead them right into Phoenix where they need to go. So I, I think they're all ready for it. I don't think it matters. I think they have to be ready for it. I think so. And, and Dave, this brings up an, an interesting conversation. We, uh, we, had, we had shortened, I'm using air quotes, we had pulled back the end of the season to the beginning of November. We used to get done the weekend before Thanksgiving. So we're ending the season two weeks before we used to, right? Well, we only have one off weekend. So what are your druthers? Would you rather have three off weekends in the middle of the season and go to the weekend before Thanksgiving or just have one off weekend and end at the beginning of November like we do now? Personal preference is, you know, once once you get into the final five or six races of the season or even into the playoffs, that kind of sells itself emotion wise. Right. You don't need to you don't need to gear up. There's nobody going into the final five races of the year thinking, oh, boy, am I tired and I can't wait to be done with this. So that kind of takes care of itself. I would I would sooner give these guys and gals another weekend or two off during the regular season. Although, you know, like Posty said, they are iron men and iron women. They know what they're in for. They know what they signed up for. And it's like traveling with the circus, man. That's your life. You come into town, you set up the tent, you put on the show, you tear everything down, clean up after the elephant, and you're off down the road to the next one. That's that's the life we live. And quite honestly, I've talked to, and I know you have too, a lot of crew guys and even a couple of drivers that during the off weekend said, man, you know, I got to tell you, by noon Sunday, I was ready to go back to work. I was ready to get back to, uh, you know, on an airplane and go to the racetrack. It's a sickness, but it's one that we all share. Well, when they go back to work, it obviously is the 10-race push to the playoffs. Winless drivers, Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex Jr., Christopher Bell, Eric Almarola in and above the cut line. But Kevin Harvick, Tyler Reddick, Austin Dillon, Eric Jones, Michael McDowell, and others are trying to get above that cut line through a win or enough consistency to point their way into playoff contention. Jason, in your opinion, over the next 10 weeks, who of those winless drivers do you feel were able to be able to capitalize on things and get themselves on a more solid playoff footing than what they have right now. I think one of them that you mentioned is, is Martin Truex Jr. He's been running well this season. 
Uh, the consistency starting to get a little bit better for Martin Truex. Of course, he's got a lot of decision making he's going to be doing as well about his future, but he is still running very, very well. Him and James Small have got things in place. They just got to get the finish that they need to right now. But I can see Martin Truex Jr. making it into the playoffs here and racing his way in. And Jason teased something that Martin dropped a um, few days ago that you know, he has yet to make his plans. He doesn't know if he's going to be back or not. He doesn't know if he's going to retire at the end of the year. Posty, he's in a position right now. He's used to winning, and that's not there. And the successes like years past have not been there. Will this next 10-20 race stretch make the decision for him? Or is he still hanging out there in to-be-determined territory? I have a sense that it won't be this 20 race stretch. I have a sense that it won't be November when he announces his plans in talking to Martin and in listening to Martin. I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. Now, does the struggle, does the lack of wins factor into that? I think that that's maybe already been factored into his decision. I think quality of life and what he wants to do with all of his time. I think that's a key. So I don't think, uh, I, I don't think the upcoming races factor into Martin Truex Jr. As much as maybe the past year and a half have, and, and, and then life, uh, as, as he has so many things outside of the racetrack going on. Dave, what do you think about Martin and the decision that he's going to make coming up? Could this be the end of Martin Truex Jr. in the Cup Series? I think it could. Uh, I mean, obviously, if he goes out and wins 10 out of the next 20, that kind of thing will, will change a guy's mind. But, you know, I've had a couple of conversations with him, one on the air and one, you know, just kind of person to person out on the qualifying grid. And he used a lot of past tense in the conversations. You know, I've won a lot of races. I've won championships. I've worked with a lot of great people. I've raced for some of the best teams in the business. Um, Usually when people start talking about their careers in the past tense, it's because they've got something in their mind scheduled next. And, you know, Martin's got nothing to apologize for. And I know, you know, those four second place finishes in the in the Cup Series championship points over the years gnaw at him. It's something awful. But but it's over and done now. And I think he's smart enough to want to go out on top. He certainly will do that if this is the end of his season. He's been in contention all the way like he usually is. I just get the feeling that there are other things on his radar beginning next year. I do as well. Uh, Like you, I've had some conversations. I've overheard some conversations um, on air and off the air that involve past tense. That may be a slip. That may be something he's not even thinking about, but it obviously does raise an eyebrow and it causes one to wonder if we have Martin Truex Jr. departing the property. Here's a fact that we're dealing in right now. You've got two past champions that are not in playoff territory. Kevin Harvick's trying to get in. And Brad Keselowski and RFK, they're trying to get their ducks in a row, get themselves sorted out. But you've got two past champions that are not even qualified for the playoffs. I think that that speaks to the diversity of what we've seen so far as far as race winners are concerned. Not only the drivers driving those uh, pieces of machinery, but also the teams working on them and the organizations that produce them. It's going to be a fun, going to be a wild ride. Can't wait to get to Nashville this weekend. It's going to be another hot one. Temperatures approaching triple digits. Horse Motor Racing Network will be there and we'll have the call for you from Music City. Dave, Postman, Jason, appreciate you joining us here on this week's NASCAR Live Fast Forum. Sounds good. Thanks, Mikey. Double down on that gold bond. It's going to be a hot one. (laughs) It's a high chafing opportunity this weekend in Tennessee. Coming up, we'll take a deeper look at the rise of Team Trackhouse. And later, we'll hear what drivers are expecting this weekend in Nashville. 
Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. Just like a driver is better off with a pit crew, we're all better off with an Ally. Save smarter, faster than ever with smart tools in an Ally online savings account. Explore all the ways you can grow with us at Ally.com. Ally. Do it right. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We were just speaking a few moments ago about track house racing. Well, it was less than two years ago that Justin Marks announced that he would be starting a new team in the Cup Series. Now, many people didn't know what to expect from this upstart team. But as we sit here today, this team has purchased another storied organization in Chip Ganassi Racing. It's expanded to two cars and now has three victories to put under their name. Kurt Becker is here with more about the story of Trackhouse Racing. The 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season is shaping up to be one of the most dramatic in recent memory. Week after week, race fans are witnessing stellar finishes, surprise winners, and parody brought on by the advent of the next-gen car. Right in the middle of the drama is Trackhouse Racing. The second-year team is catapulted into the spotlight to become one of the surprises of the season. Founded by Justin Marks in 2020, Trackhouse has dared to be different, to be bold. That was shown firsthand when Marks shared his dream of owning a race team with Armando Christian Perez, better known as the international pop sensation Pitbull. Pitbull, who prefers to be called Armando, joined as an owner ahead of Trackhouse's inaugural Cup Series season in 2021. Trackhouse has grown quickly. Marks, looking to grow originally from a one-car team with the next-gen car, which was set to be unveiled in 2022, took advantage of Chip Ganassi's exit from the Cup Series, purchasing Ganassi's two charters for the number one and number 42 teams, respectively. Along with that purchase came the free agency of a young, talented driver budding with potential. That driver, Ross Chastain. 2021 had been Chastain's best cup season to date. He netted eight top tens along with three top five finishes, including a runner-up at Nashville. Ganassi's loss looked to be Marks's gain. Marks didn't have to wait long to reap the rewards of believing in Chastain's talent, as Chastain finally realized his vast potential earlier this year at Circuit of the Americas. I don't know how I could have ever scripted my career, um, and the people that I met along the way, the people that I hurt along the way, the people that I wronged along the way, um, but it's all gotten me here one way or the other. And then uh, partway through last year, um, I've said it in several interviews lately, I don't know why I keep I know I keep bringing it up because it helped me, but Mike Metcalf gave me a book called It Takes What It Takes, and it just reset my whole mindset. And um, I didn't get worked up today when we had the lead. I didn't get too high, and I didn't get too low whenever we lost the lead to Tyler. Um, it's just it is what it is. And um, think neutral and um, go get it in the next opportunity. Chastain's triumph was a major breakthrough for Trackhouse Racing and for Marks, who early in his second season as a cup team owner could point to how his unique approach was working. This was an ambitious thing to sort of dream up. And I asked, I asked a lot of people that had a lot of experience in this sport and seen a lot of teams come and go to trust me and to, uh, and to commit to Trackhouse. And so to be here 
you know, not even, you know, not even a year and a half really into our into our existence. Uh, I'm just I'm just proud of uh, everybody that committed and. Um, you know, they, every single one of these people, they own a piece of this of this victory. Now that the door had been broken down, Trackhouse was just getting started. Chastain would finish in the top five two weeks later at Martinsville, then win again at one of NASCAR's highest profile tracks, Talladega Super Speedway. Eric Jones is out front by a car length, but Will Larson's run last. Here they come racing to the trioval. And Kurt Busch is in the middle lane. They're crashing behind him. Kurt Busch hard into the outside wall. Bubba Wallace into the wall, steaming to the line. Ross Chastain will win the Geico 500. I'm so proud of everybody at Trackhouse. I mean, this is, a, this is a big, big project, and we asked a lot of people to believe, and I've said that a number of times. I mean, this is a car, and this is a sport, and this is a time in our sport where if you build a group of people that work well together and are motivated and positive and united, that's speed on the racetrack. And we've got incredible drivers, Daniel and Ross. Ross proved it again today. We announced our Worldwide Express sponsorship like five hours ago, and we got Rob Rose and Victory Lane with us, and, and um, I mean, I'm just like living a dream, like just luckiest guy in the world. The first driver Trackhouse ever signed was Daniel Suarez of Monterrey, Mexico. Suarez had plenty of experience in NASCAR, having won an Xfinity Series championship in 2016 and having raced full-time in the Cup Series for Joe Gibbs Racing and Stuart Haas Racing. But what Suarez lacked was winning credentials at the top level of NASCAR. He had the talent, but it had yet to be realized in the Cup Series. Despite that fact, Marks believed in Suarez and wanted to center his team around him and the number 99 car. In year one, Trackhouse and Suarez went through the trials and tribulations that a new team often faces. That, at times, was exacerbated by being a one-car team. Suarez finished in the top ten only four times and just once in the top five, finishing fourth in the inaugural Bristol Dirt event. It was a frustrating season for Suarez and the team, but it did not deter Marks or his belief in Suarez. Early in 2022, it seemed like it was only a matter of time before Suarez visited Victory Lane. Suarez finished fourth at both Fontana and Atlanta, leading 13 laps at the latter. In April, Suarez led for 64 laps on dirt at Bristol, and for a time it appeared that Suarez would win as a looming weather pattern made its way through Thunder Valley and threatened to shorten the race. But the race resumed and went the distance with Suarez finishing 12th. But his moment finally came a couple of weeks ago at the Sonoma Raceway in California when he became the first driver from Mexico to win a NASCAR Cup Series race. Se proyecta hacia la recta principal, cruza la línea de meta, recibe la bandera de cuadros y el dulce. El dulcísimo sabor del triunfo es de Daniel Suárez. Mexicanos al grito de Suárez. And I've been working very hard for this moment. Not just myself, but my entire team. You know, I have, I'm very, very lucky to have a great people around me in my team, but also outside the team. You know, my family always supporting me. Uh, my beautiful girlfriend, Julia, that, that, uh, that she worked very hard in the last few months, uh, keeping me up and, and letting me know that, that I was doing the right things. We just needed to, to, to have a clean day. And, uh, and that's what we had today. So today just felt special. Uh, I told her this morning that uh, that today felt felt good, and, uh, and we did it uh, in front of uh, a few hundred uh, Mexicans in Daniel's Amigos. So it was it was just a special day, you know. I have always seen California as, as my second home, and uh, and to be able to get the first victory here is is quite special. There, once again beaming with pride, was Marks, who had never lost faith in Suarez. Daniel checked a lot of boxes for us right away. I mean, he was an experienced Cup driver. 
when you know he's a he's a winner when he's been in positions to win he's won with his Xfinity championship with his truck wins and he's had his chip on his shoulder and he wanted to prove to the world that he belonged in the Cup Series 2020 was a very difficult year for him so um, he checked all those boxes for us and I knew really knew that he had a tremendous amount of potential and that he was a winner at this level and we just we just and I told him from day one I said this this is your team this 99 team is your team you come to me and tell me you know anything and everything that you need. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to put that behind you. Against the odds, Trackhouse Racing has earned three victories some 16 races into the season. To put that in perspective, Trackhouse has the same number of wins this year as longtime NASCAR operations team Penske and Joe Gibbs Racing. Only Hendrick Motorsports, with five wins, has more. Of course, Marks is not surprised by the team's success, nor is Suarez's crew chief, Travis Mack. Not really. Um, you know, this was what I do every year you know even last year having the conversations with Justin and you know I think I was number two hire at track house and um, it was very exciting you know the first time I met with him and I was doubting if I should leave the Hendrick family and what I needed to do you know I was really comfortable at junior sports and happy and uh, just after I met with Justin you know and talked to him on the phone I was so confident in what he was building and I told him I said you just Give us the tools, and you do you, and I'm going to build as a great race team, and um, we're going to go to Daytona and get the pole. That's how confident I was, and I told him that, and I think he believed in that, and we believe in each other. And we went down there, had you know, we had a top 10 effort. I wasn't happy because we weren't on the pole because I told him we would get the pole, but um, I was confident we would get this win for Daniel, and it's really exciting to get it here in Sonoma. Some would consider the success of Trackhouse Racing the surprise of the 2022 season. Certainly, Trackhouse's rise is one of the top stories of the year. But is it a surprise? Well, not to Marks, and clearly not to Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez, who have proven to be not just talented drivers, but race winners. If anything, it seems this is just the beginning for Trackhouse Racing. Thank you, Kurt. Team Trackhouse's Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain both finished in the top 10 at Nashville last year. So the team could be a favorite to perhaps maybe secure win number four for this year. And it could happen this coming weekend. Coming up, we'll hear what Daniel Suarez and other drivers are expecting in Nashville on Sunday. And later, we'll take a deeper look at the influx of first-time winners in 2022. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. At Ally, our vision is to be a relentless ally for your financial well-being. We're committed to doing right by our customers and finding new ways to deliver opportunity, no matter how you define it. Explore all the ways you can grow with us at Ally.com. Ally. Do it right. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. It's Ally Week on MRN. We're all better off with an ally. Ally helps you save smarter, faster than ever. Explore all the ways you can grow with us at ally.com. Ally, do it right. This weekend is the Ally 400, and last year it marked the maiden voyage for the Cup Series at the concrete oval known as Nashville Super Speedway. There were skeptics when that race was announced, but that race proved to be one of the more intriguing ones of 2021. Are we in for more of the same this time around? Kyle Ricky has what the drivers are saying about this weekend's trip to Music City. After the only week off of the season, the drivers are ready to get back at it and start the stretch of 20 straight weekends of racing that will culminate in crowning a champion in Phoenix. 
The series heads to Nashville Super Speedway this weekend for just the second time in the inaugural race last year. The driver who ultimately won the championship dominated. Larson for the final time headed for three. Here he comes now off the end of the back straightaway. Won't challenge the lap traffic. All he's got to do is nurse it back to the start finish line. He's on the bottom trying to do exactly that. Kyle Larson exits turn number four. Checkered flag in the air and Kyle Larson wins the Ally 400 at Nashville Super Speedway. There was indeed enough fuel in the tank. Larson is a winner. Ross Chastain is second. One of the drivers that many pegged as a favorite last year was Kyle Busch. Busch had won at the track in the NASCAR Xfinity Series before and also won their return to the track last year. While Busch didn't collect the checkered flag, he was still impressed with how well the concrete speedway raced. I, know, I thought last year's race was really good. Um, the racetrack really widened out, really became a, a, a driver's track where you can move around. Um, you know, the bottom is where it all started. We kind of moved around. We made it about three lanes wide. I don't think I've ever seen Nashville three lanes wide. Um, but it was a good, a good show, a good place to, to run around. But um, unfortunately, I still felt like I got stuck in traffic at times and just couldn't make as much time up as I wanted to when I needed to. Um, so I feel like we'll see some of that this year as well. And again, still hoping the track widens out like that so you can have places to go. One thing that did surprise the teams last year was how the braking packages worked. Austin Dillon says teams will be much more prepared this season. I thought it was a pretty impressive race. I felt like guys were very underestimating uh, what that track could do on the braking side of things. Everybody brought too small of a brake package and we were blowing brake rotors. So this year should be a little different. I think we'll be more prepared. Um, and yeah, I think you'll see another good race for sure. One driver that didn't have trouble last season was Daniel Suarez. Suarez finished seventh in that race a year ago and has momentum coming off his first career victory at Sonoma. The team Trackhouse driver says Nashville is a perfect track to go to after that victory. Now the fact that the next race is home for us is Nashville. And then I'm going to have two cheese on the car that is the home sponsor that is the most popular bar in Nashville. I mean, everyone is going to be there. I run well there last year. Um, I know we're going to be run, running well again. I mean, I mean, we, we are pretty much as strong everywhere we go lately. So that's amazing. I feel like it couldn't be any better. We have momentum. We have energy, good energy. Uh, we're excited. Uh, I think we're going to have practice qualifying. We're going to have a full week, a full weekend. So I think it's going to be very cool. I'm, I'm super, super excited for Nashville. Part of that reasoning is Trackhouse's ties to the area. Suarez says it's a big weekend for the team and that eventually when people think of Nashville, they will think of Trackhouse. Actually, I'm leaving on Wednesday to Nashville. Uh, next week, Wednesday, I'm leaving early. And the reason of that is because we're going to have a couple a couple events and a couple things going on. And like I said, it's, it's just that, you know, it's, it's, it's that race weekend that it just is Trackhouse, you know? I will say that everyone is going to think on Trackhouse when we're in Nashville because that's, that's our base. Uh, Justin Max lives there. Ty Norris lives there. The, the, some of the uh, we have we have some offices in there, and uh, yeah, so it's it's exciting. You know, I, I'm very very excited to to go over there, and I'm sure a lot of people are used to. You drive the Tootsie's car. That's it. Will be a more traditional weekend for teams with a 50 minute practice as opposed to the 15 minutes that teams have been getting most weekends this year. Teams will have extra time to see how the next gen car races on this style track 
Dillon says the racing could be better than last year, but will depend on how much the track widens out. It could. I mean, uh, it's funny, you know, it, the race began, everybody running the top, I feel like, and it moves back down to the bottom by the end of it. So I don't know what to expect. You know, that place is kind of round the bottom is the fastest lane, but if we can get the top worked in, it'd be nice. Will the playoff bubble tighten up with another different winner? Only 10 races remain until that cutoff. We will find out as MRN will have full coverage as the race to the playoffs begins. NASCAR Race Day kicks off our coverage from Nashville at 4 p.m. Eastern Time Sunday. Coming up, we'll take a look at the four first-time winners we've had so far this season. And later, we've got This Week in NASCAR History. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. We're so glad you're with us. Everyone knew that the 2022 season would be very unpredictable with the introduction of the next-gen race car, basically wiping the slate clean for teams. But no one could have predicted that we would have 12 different winners in the first 16 races, much less than that four of those winners would be first-time winners. Are we on track? for the most first-time winners ever in a season? Let's take a deeper dive. You know, I've been, I've been waiting, and I've been working very hard for this moment, not just myself, but my entire team. I'm very, very lucky to have a great people around me in my team, but also outside the team. You know, my family always supporting me. It was just a special day, you know. I have always seen California as, as my second home, and, uh, and to be able to get the first victory here is... It's quite special. Daniel Suarez finally scoring his first win in the NASCAR Cup Series at Sonoma caused a celebration. The first Mexican-born driver to win in the Cup Series is a big moment on its own, but Suarez's win also marks something that hasn't happened in a while. He became the fourth first-time winner 2022 has seen. Austin Sindrick won the Daytona 500, Chase Briscoe won at Phoenix, Ross Chastain at Circuit of the Americas, and now Daniel Suarez. All the schedule changes in the next-gen car is giving teams chances who have been waiting in the wings. While most seasons have two or three first-time winners, we haven't seen four or more in 11 years. 2011 was the last time first-time winners packed victory lane, and it gave us some great moments. Here come Carl Edwards to the bottom. He's got drafting help. He's up to fourth. He's up to third. Here comes Carl Edwards as Bain leads to three. Something's got to give. Here comes Carl Edwards. He's got momentum. David Gilliland giving him a shove to the inside of Labonte. Now Trevor Bain will cross over the final time off four. Trevor Bain playing defense. He's out in front at age 20. He's going to win the 53rd Daytona 500. That season kicked off with a big win for Trevor Bain and the Wood Brothers famous number 21 team winning the Daytona 500. They never won again, but that race stands out as one of the best Daytona 500s. Regan Smith throws the block coming off of turn number two. Regan Smith leads off the end of the back straightaway. They're crashing and bombing the body. Pounds the outside wall, and Regan Smith is looking for the win. Regan Smith driving the Furniture Road Chevy based in Denver, Colorado, is going to do it. He'll hold off Carl Edwards and score his first career NASCAR Sprint Cup Series win at the toughest track of them all, Darlington Raceway in the Southern 500. Two months later, Regan Smith scored the win in the Southern 500 and took Furniture Road to victory lane. Just like Bain, Smith didn't get another win, but he gave Barney Visser his career first. 
Furniture Row would go on to win a championship with Martin Truex Jr. in 2017. Up front, though, four cars going for the win. David Reagan and Matt Kenseth showing the way as more cars crash off turn number four at the line. David Reagan will win the Coke Zero 400. Drafting help from behind by Matt Kenseth. A wild finish to the 4th of July Daytona race handed the win to David Reagan. He would go on to win at Talladega in 2013 and cement his status as a super speedway wrangler. Paul Menard was next to get his first win, coming at a track he felt was special to his family, Indianapolis. Man, I've been coming here for a long, long time, but not nearly as long as my dad. And um, to uh, to be the first one after you know all of his years of trying to, to win him a race at Indy, very special. Menard raced until 2019, but never repeated his success. Multi-car incident, David Reagan, Mark Martin involved as well. A serious hit for David Rudeman at the entrance to turn two. Tony Stewart clears the inner loop, and he spins right in front of half the field as the leaders exit turn number five. Caution at two parts of the race course, but up front it is all Marcus Ambrose. The caution flag is out. He is working his way around the course as we slow down. There is a bit of moisture falling here at Watkins Glen International, but Marcus Ambrose is on his way to a first career win here today in the hell of a good sour cream dips at the Glen. The final first-time winner of 2011 was Marcus Ambrose at Watkins Glen. The Australian driver ran six full-time seasons in the NASCAR Cup Series and scored two wins, both at Watkins Glen. 2022 has given us four first-time winners, and there's a handful of names that could also be added to that list easily. With a long way to go in the season, chances are high we'll see a fifth and maybe even a record sixth first-time winner. Coming up, it's This Week in NASCAR History. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. All right, folks, it is time to enter the NASCAR Live time machine as Susie Armstrong is here with another installment of This Week in NASCAR History. Thanks, Mike. 1973, the British invasion hit the box office and the airwaves as Roger Moore assumed the screen persona of James Bond for the eighth chapter of the spy flick series, Live and Let Die, while Paul McCartney and company ruled the charts with the rockin' title cut. 69 defendants faced the Watergate committee as the scandal investigation went into high gear. And the Silver Fox was on cruise control in the Irish Hills as David Pearson bested Buddy Baker in the Motor State 400 at Michigan Speedway. Pearson moves out against the wall. Baker relentlessly pursues out of another four corner as David Pearson heads for the checkered flag. It's going to be David Pearson and a half second behind his car number 71, Buddy Baker, and a tremendous ovation from the crowd. For now, three times in a row winner, David Pearson, the great three-time Grand National Champion of NASCAR. Step by step, ooh baby, gonna get to you, girl. 1990, the new kids on the block were on their way to triple platinum as the title track from Step by Step skipped up the charts to number one. TV Guide proclaims Arsenio Hall is the TV personality of the year as the Arsenio Hall show peaks on late night TV. Adam Sandler stepped onto the Saturday Night Live stage as a full-time cast member, and Dale Earnhardt sauntered by Ernie Irvin with five to go, 
winning the Miller Genuine Draft 400 at Michigan. One mile from the checkered flag, everyone continuing to run single file. They come to the end of the back straightaway, three quarters of a mile to go. It's Earnhardt, Irvin, Bodine, and Martin. Now coming through turn number four, still running single file off the corner. Earnhardt's car working well on the low side of the racetrack. He comes off turn four, swings to the outside retaining wall. Ernie Irvin will not have a chance. Dale Earnhardt wins the Miller 400 here at Michigan International Speedway. His first victory since a win back at Talladega, Alabama earlier this season. Usher Raymond IV was dominating the top two chart slots with Burn and Confessions Part 2. Controversial conspiracy flick Fahrenheit 9-11 rakes in money at the box office as the Michael Moore film opens to a record-breaking take for a documentary debut. And Ryan Newman made his first 04 appearance up front, scoring the victory in the DHL 400 at Michigan. Ryan Newman sets sail down the back straightaway, one mile away. Ryan Newman headed to victory lane. He's in three, but here comes Casey Kane. Casey Kane works the high side of the banking. Can he chase down Ryan Newman and challenge for the lead? Off turn four, they come pouring back to the start-finish line. The yellow flag is out because a car is spinning in turn number two. At the start-finish line, Ryan Newman goes to victory lane after being down a lap early on this afternoon. His last victory, last October at the Kansas Speedway, he wins today at Michigan. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. Going to be a busy weekend in Nashville this weekend. When we head to Road America next week, it will be Jockey Made in America week here on MRN. Race fans, head to jockey.com for a Made in America t-shirt grown and sewn right here in America. Crafting comfort since 1876. There's only one jockey. Our thanks to Dave Moody for joining us on the show today. Our thanks to Steve Post and Jason Toy. Our thanks to you as well for joining us. And for the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. Thank you so much for stopping by. We'll catch you later on this week on NASCAR Live Wide Open and Sunday from Nashville with NASCAR Live Race Day. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Wesselman, Julian Council, and Trey Downing. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com.